Hi, my name is Sonia Lucina, and I'm an organizational psychologist and president at Question Pro Workforce. And I'm joined by my fabulous co-host, Maddie Grant, who is a culture designer at Propel. We've been waiting to share some really exciting news with you. Um, and the wait is finally over. As of this month, Work at Life is a part of the HubSpot Creators. This means that we have access to tons of new resources like editors and marketers that help us keep creating high quality episodes and growing our community. We're also in good company with podcasts like No Straight Path. Check out the first wave of shows and learn more about HubSpot creators at HubSpot.com slash creators. Hello, hello, everybody. I am Maddie Grant from Propel, and I'm here with my lovely co-host, Sonia Lucina from Question Pro. Um, and we'll introduce ourselves a little bit in a second. But just to say that I'm super excited because we are starting a new season of Work at Life. Um, but this time we're going weekly. So we have so many cool things to talk about and so many ideas and so many topics. Um, and of course, our subject, our overarching subject is the gray area between work and life. And of course, we know that work and life are actually all one thing nowadays. Um, so, you know, just so much good stuff to talk about. Um, but yeah, so I'm Maddie Grant. I'm a culture designer at Propel. Uh, meaning that I help organizations with workplace culture. And Sonia, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you, Maddie. My name is Sonia Lucina. I'm an organizational psychologist. I'm the president of the Workforce Business Unit, Question Pro, and just absolutely thrilled to be back with all of you. Um, like Maddie was saying, there is so much to talk about, and I don't even know how many episodes we did Last year was quite a few and a lot of different topics, but yeah, <laughs> but the mark, like the world is just so dynamic and everything feels like it's changing and we're learning so much. And so, um, as we were preparing for today's show, for the upcoming shows, I mean, the list of things is just growing longer and longer. And the more conversations we're having, the more we're seeing people's eagerness to connect to one another, understand what's working, understand what you know, different people have tried, what different organizations have tried. So I'm just really thrilled at, at the opportunity to connect with everybody again. Yes, and it's going to be so fun and exciting to go weekly, and we're going to have so many more guests. And yes, just can't get over how cool this is going to be. So just to give you a little taste of our usual show, we always have an interesting data point to just kick off our conversation. And today we don't have a guest. It's just, you'll just have to have us. <laughs> but we have plenty of interesting thoughts to share. Um, but anyway, so yes, we always start with a data point or several um, to, to dig into. And that can lead to lots of different rabbit holes and ideas, but we have, you know, many, many future episodes to, to go rabbit hole off into. So absolutely. So for today, actually, um, we have both Maddie and I being researchers, we have so many different ways to collect information. And today, 
we're going to highlight a few things from a study that we just did in February, where we surveyed 3,000 workers from the US, UK, and Germany and asked them about a bunch of different topics. We asked them about their well being, we asked about diversity and inclusion. But what we're going to talk about today and highlight as a part of our show is actually the experience in that, inside the organizations and how they might be different between leaders or managers and individual contributors. And the reason why we wanted to start out with these data points is because I think it was you know late last year that the great resignation started to be a really hot topic and there was mass exodus of people from the workplace. And at some point, maybe we thought, okay, everybody is leaving now. It's got to stop at some point, right? And I was actually having a discussion with some of my colleagues earlier today. And I mean, the grand consensus is no, everybody is still looking to change. We've seen so in our happy. data that <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's continuing. It's not, I, I think at this point, maybe we just, you know, make peace that the, the change is going to be accelerated, that we don't necessarily know the end point, but what we can do is, is figure out how to live inside of it a lot better. And so with that, the data that we're going to be sharing today is, you know, and Maddie and I have seen through our extensive research of culture, that it's actually quite common for those in the leadership positions to have a different view of the organizational culture within the company they sit in than um, some of their more entry-level workers or in, or, um, in many cases, individual contributors. And why is that important? Why are we highlighting that? Because we're seeing that the pace of change right now for a lot of organizations is, is a lot quicker in the past because everybody is playing this game around how do I keep the best people? How do I attract the best people? What do I do? And so organizations are more open to testing different ideas, trying different initiatives out. However, most of this decision-making sits you know, at the executive levels, at the management levels. And so we wanted to highlight this difference because if leadership is making decisions, even from their best, absolute best intentions, they might not realize that what they believe when they have an impact for them or make a difference for them is not the same as it would for a lot of the, a lot of their people. And so that's where research comes in really handy. That's where employee yeah. surveys come really handy um, to actually understand what, what are really those differences and what's important for organizations to think about or know about as they're deciding on these strategic initiatives that they hope are going to be really impactful in areas of talent attraction, retention, et cetera. So one of the first things that um, we looked at in the data and where we found some really interesting differences is we asked workers um, how, you know, on, on a scale of one to five, um, how satisfied are you with where you are in your career at the moment? And what we found is that overall, only 54% of people said that they're satisfied at their career with their career. And so you thought, wow. And remember, this is in February. This is after like we've seen the, you know, the historically highest turnover rates for for many organizations and many people are still saying that they're not really satisfied where they are. But one of the interesting differences when we looked at managers versus individual contributors, so overall 54% again said that they're satisfied with their are with their with their career. 
But when we split it, it was 61% of managers who said they're either satisfied or strongly satisfied and 52% of individual contributors. So there was a nine percentage point difference in satisfaction between these two different groups of people. Yeah, it's really interesting because in the conversations that we have with our clients, this we of course work directly with a lot of senior executives and it's very clear to us that their description of their experiences is really not it doesn't apply across the board and i'll give you one example so um we're talking to a lot of different groups right now about the hybrid workplace and how they can attract people back into the physical office and one of those things that everybody says is super, super important is the water cooler conversations, right? Those those random interactions that you have when you walk down the hall to get water <laughs> and you, you know, run into a colleague and you spark up a conversation and you come up with a great idea that turns into a project, you know, later on down the line. Well, you know, great. That's awesome and all. However, not everybody gets to walk down the hall to to go hang out by the water cooler. You know, some people work in shifts. Some people don't actually get to, you know, they're not really allowed to get up from their desk. Maybe they're sitting in a call center or something. Um, and so it's just one example of how this sort of, this trope that everybody takes kind of for granted that water cooler conversations are a really important thing well, in actual fact, not everybody gets to have those water cooler conversations. It's really only if you're at the top of the organization, you know, that you can wander around and randomly bump into people. Um, so anyway, so, it, you know, this is just a, a quick anecdote, but it's just kind of illustrative of the fact that when managers are thinking about all of these things that allow them to um try and attract people back to the workplace or or want them allow them to be you know good managers they there needs to be a process of sort of getting out of your own perspective getting out mm -hmm. of your own seat you know where you sit <laughs> yeah and that's i feel like that's true in so many parts of our lives but when you see data about something, I think it, it resonates even more strongly because it's hard to go through life second guessing everything, right? At some point, we're just running and we're doing the best that we can. But in some cases, you know, it's okay and we're, we're making the right choices. In other cases, when you have information like this and you're saying, if you're going to spend significant amount of time working on something, it's so much better to do the right and informed thing then follow your gut, because unfortunately what we're seeing here is that the gut and experiences are, are quite a bit different. Yeah. And what's also interesting is that, you know, when you, when we start to dig into the data a little more, it continues to like really like follow a similar trend down the funnel. So we just said that, um, you know, more managers are satisfied with their careers than individual contributors. But then also when we asked is, you know, when we asked, does your leader care about your career progress? Well, first of all, only about half of workers, 51% said, yeah, you know, I either strongly or agree that my, my leader cares about my career progress. But the difference between managers and individual contributors was even larger. So 51% was the overall, but then 62% of managers 
said that their leaders cared compared to 46% of individual contributors. So that's a 16 point percentage difference. It's it's actually quite enormous. And and what's interesting, there's so many, like Maddie and I were looking at this data first and studying, and there were just so many different things to to interpret and say, but that's really, you know, one of the interesting things is that a lot of times there is a relatively strong correlation between your tenure and whether you're an individual contributor in a management position, because if you've been in the workforce longer, you're more likely to have made it to the manager position. So when you think about the career progress and how much an individual cares, um, those individuals who are individual contributors have so much more opportunity probably to grow inside the organization, different options, but also don't know as well how to do it. Like, how do I do I know the organizational politics of the specific organization that I'm in? I don't have general experience. So do I look like on a job board? Do I look on the internet? Do I raise my hand to my manager? Do I just wait until somebody recommends it to me? Do I wait for a performance review? When is that? And what's interesting, we won't go down that in this conversation, down that path, because we don't have nearly enough time to cover it. But think about, too, the gender differences that emerge here. So for those individuals, if, I, if I'm a woman and I don't feel like my leader cares about my career progress, you know, there are a lot of statistics showed that I'm less likely to speak up than a, a male counterpart. And so if it's not coming from top down, if my leader is not having proactive conversations with me, that's one of the threat areas that's actually gonna increase the gender gap inside the organization. And in this kind of, without this kind of data, we're not aware of it. We don't, as a manager, as a leader, I might have no idea, likely have no idea that this is what my, what my team is experiencing. Because again, oftentimes what I'm measured on is organizational metrics. I have different, I have KPIs that are different than developing people. They're maybe invoicing or, you know, how did my marketing campaign do? Or what is my NPS score for my customers, et cetera. So those are, it's just really, really key to, to look at that difference in that area. Well, and the thing about this too, if you, if you think back to the whole, you know, great resignation theme, um, you know, if, it, if I'm an individual contributor and I don't see any kind of career progress or path, you know, for myself within an organization because my manager basically only cares about my, you know, sort of outcome related KPIs, let's say, um, then why would I stick around? You know, why would I not be looking for a different job somewhere else where, you know, maybe there's more support and more professional development and more, um, you know, career training and more opportunities to try different things, even within the company. You know, those are all things that I would think would be attractive to me, you know, as an individual contributor looking elsewhere, <laughs> if my company doesn't have these things, you know, mm -hmm. but in the meantime, everybody, you know, at, at the management level, people are really freaking out that all their people are leaving. <laughs> right. Yeah. And one thing that I just thought of too, that's interesting here is how much every single leader's success depends on their team. It's like a hundred percent because as an individual, you can accomplish very little. It's the, the cumulative part of everything that your team does that makes your team successful and in turn helps you make successful or hurts your performance. And what I'm wondering a little bit is as individuals get further in their career, 
if through experience you realize that more because all of these managers that are saying their leaders care about their performance they probably learned maybe even through trial and error to say wait a minute if i develop my people if i care about their career and they stay that's going to make my life a lot easier yeah but it's not trickling down fast enough right it's like these like the individuals who have been around and been managing for a while have tried it have seen it no but then the managers who are maybe like in the front lines haven't like figured it out yet. <laughs> They're saying, oh, okay, it's great that my manager cares about me. And then it's like, when does it actually click if you're left to your own devices to say, oh, but wait a minute, <laughs> that means I need to care about my team too. Uh, because there's probably something in my leader giving me, you know, development, caring about my career. And there's probably a reason why they're spending time on that. Um, that's both, you know, from a morally right standpoint, but also probably very much from a business standpoint too. Yeah, it just makes me wonder whether once you get to that management level, it's more like a like a club, right? Like you you know you sort of know the ropes, so you yeah. kind of help each other um, at those upper echelons. Like if you're no. at the bottom of the upper echelon and you're at the top of the upper echelon, you help each other more. And just the whole kind of 50% of the rest of the organization, um, those numbers made no sense, but you know what I'm saying. The bottom <laughs> of the organization is just kind of left to their own devices. When yeah. if, if even new managers, you know, paid a lot more attention immediately or throughout to um just keeping their teams like progressing and learning and evolving um yeah. you know that would that would result in just a much kind of more fulfilled workforce all across the board yeah. absolutely absolutely before we jump into our next data point here's a message from hubspot i'm an actor not a business leader but if i were I'd run the biggest pirate enterprise to ever sail the high seas. Ahoy! And then I'd get HubSpot as my CRM platform to connect all my ships across the globe. Because acquiring new customers doesn't come easy. But HubSpot makes it easy for teams to create a more personalized customer experience. And then I'd climb to the top of the crow's nest and shout things like, Batten down the customer reports! But again, I'm not a pirate CEO. I'm a very serious actor. Connect your people, your customers, and your business at HubSpot.com. Just a couple last data points as we start to near the end of our time together. So how do you operationalize some of these things? You know, what are what are some of the things that people could be doing more concretely in training, in development, in these kinds of relationships? One thing where we found another difference is, uh, you know, as, <laughs> as two people who work in culture, for me as an organizational psychologist, like goal setting has always been, it's like the foundation of everything that we do. But it's not only important to understand, like, what is my north? What is my goal? What am I striving towards? What am I striving towards, you know, this month, this quarter, this year? But how do we decide that? Um, and what we know through a lot of psychological research is that when a person has a discussion about their goals, when they understand why they're met, and when they're bought into what they are, it resonates a lot better. I feel that if I, if I talk to my leader about what my goal is and I have an opportunity to say, yes, I'm in, I know that it's an ambitious goal, but I feel like I can do it. It's received a, it's received a lot differently than if my leader comes to me and just gives me this ambitious goal and I'm like, wait a minute, but 
do you even know if I can do this? Like, can we have a discussion around this? And what's interesting again, it was, it was a really big difference um, when we asked managers if they, or when we asked workers, if they talk with their manager about goals and objectives before they're set, 64% of managers said they do, but only 53% of individual contributors. So again, you start to see that same pattern that we were talking about before, that with more experience with the different levels, those discussions tend to be happening, but they're not trickling down fast enough. And again, that um, I talk about procedural justice a lot. There's a lot of psychological principles in play when decisions are being made, when discussions are being had, just how differently people accept something, how differently they internalize it, buy into it, own it. Um, and one of the, in the discussions around these goals is, is a really, really critical one. And then the last one, and we'll pause and, and have a discussion, a little bit more of a discussion with Maddie too, is um, around feedback. And I feel like, you know, we've talked, <laughs> feedback is, has become this, you know, big buzzword, sometimes a four letter word, I feel like in our, um, in our in our group, because you know we've talked about feedback, we've talked about feed forward, we talked about advice. How do you frame this? How do people accept it well? How do people not get offended? At the end of the day, whatever you call it, it's the ability to constructively share with somebody information about their performance in such a way that they'll accept it and will help them get better. Whatever you're calling it, and what we're seeing in here too is that when we asked workers again if their manager communicated feedback clearly 66 percent of managers said yes and 57 percent of individual contributors said yes which showed us again this like huge gap in how you're advancing people and how those conversations are happening between individuals in a way to help improve their performance which will also then tie back to their career satisfaction ability to ask you know how am i doing how can i advance etc so it's just like we were talking about, it's this funnel from, you know, am I satisfied where am I, where I'm in my career? How much does my manager care? And then what are the actual conversations, what's happening day to day with my manager and with my leader? We're, we're seeing that it's like consistently happening. So almost even if you're looking, all of these things could be very practically done, but if you're looking at like filling the gap, I mean, you could start even with the constructive feedback or fit forward or advice or whatever you want to term it in your organization, your culture and goal setting, then just build it up from there. It's it's probably things that we we know already, maybe we're doing to a certain level, but clearly with the data, it, it can certainly be a lot more effective. Yeah, I mean, I have a whole nother one to throw into the mix for a future conversation, but it's related to alignment between personal goals and the organization's goals. And so from a culture perspective, this is super, super important for us because if if you understand how you have a really important part to play, um, and even you know the the mailroom clerk and the receptionist have a part to play in the organizational the organization being able to achieve what it's trying to achieve, but you also have a personal goal and purpose and, you know, five-year vision. Um, and if those two things align, then, you know, that's, you really become a workplace where people feel really fulfilled um, because they want to, they want to be part of something, you know, I think that's, there's definitely some 
human nature in there that's really really critical too mm -hmm. so that's that's a whole nother topic for a different day <laughs> mm -hmm. um but yeah, I think um, I think this is a good spot to just wrap it up for today. We want to try and keep these short since we're coming to you every week now. Woohoo! So, um, but Sonia, do you have any closing thoughts for today? No, I mean, just um, again, as as you're looking inside your organization, as you're you're looking how to fine tune your culture, reshape your culture understand your culture, <laughs> maybe, um, is these questions are really critical. And again, it's, it's so important to get perspectives here today. We just talked about managers and individual contributors, but it's really perspectives from different departments, from different levels. Um, if there's different geographies, because it's, we are going to see generalities. You're going to see things that are generalized across the board. But I think some of these key differences, like what we saw today, can really help make a culture stronger, can really help shape things in a much more effective way and can really make sure that, again, like the initiatives, the really key drivers that you hope are gonna make sure to solidify your culture, make them make it stand out are being done in an informed way. So that's just one last plug for, you know, database decisions, collecting surveys and insights from different individuals because we're, we hope that we, we gave you enough interesting examples and powerful examples today to be bought in for why, why this is important to do. Yeah. Awesome. So we are going to wrap it up for today, but super excited to see you next week. Same bat channel, same, I can't remember the rest of it, <laughs> but uh, see you next week. See you next week. Thank you, everybody.